0: Welcome to FedScoop's podcast series on digital transformation in government, underwritten today by Quest Public Sector. I'm your host, Wyatt Cash, and in today's episode, we're talking about the benefits of endpoint management tools. Agencies are managing more endpoint devices than ever before, from smartphones and tablets to a wide range of IoT devices. The importance of adopting a tool that recognizes and manages those devices, that works at scale, and that is compatible with the complexity of agency networks has never been more important. Talking with us today about his experience with endpoint management solutions is Sean Kavanaugh, Chief Information Security Officer at the National Park Service. Welcome to the program, Sean.
1: Thank you, Wyatt, for having me here.
0: Also joining us to offer his expertise on the subject is Jamie Sierra, Senior Sales Engineer from Quest Public Sector. Jamie, thanks for joining us today.
2: Good to be here. Thank you, Wyatt.
0: John, starting with you, what are the top three or four features or specifications that your agency generally has been looking at when considering an enterprise-wide endpoint management solution?
1: Not necessarily just for my agency, but I any mean, one of my peers that I've talked to in the past. Different specifications we all kind of work with are, you know, if there's any any sort of cloud functionality which is being built into more and more tools, vendors, companies need to make sure they go through the FedRAMP process because that's really a really big showstopper for some people that aren't because it either has to be in that process or we're, we're not able to use it. I would say when building these things, addressing you're thinking about bandwidth considerations for, you know, some of these government agencies have places all throughout the U.S. and in some cases throughout the world and some areas where they're located, the bandwidth is extremely small. And if you have something that's taking up a large amount of bandwidth, you know, it can really be a showstopper for their those areas. And, you know, we just were not able to use them. So you look at things like allowing for, you know, if you're managing devices, have there be a way to do that securely, whether they're on the network or off the network. Because even though we use VPNs and, you know, all of our mobile workforce uses that, you know, in in some cases, for whatever reason, something happens and a computer isn't using a VPN. And instead of having those computers just be blind to us, it would be, nice to have an option to still enable those computers to be patched or scanned or check in somehow some alternate way so we can still see them. So if they're off a of VPN, say, for a month, we don't just lose sight of them for a month. We're st- still aware. And probably uh, one other thing I'd say is just recognize the use of our PIV cards or DoD terms, the CAT card. Being able to integrate that into the product as well would be helpful. So there's one less username and password for people to manage. But these tools aren't always specifically built for government, so I know that can be a challenge.
0: Well, terrific. Uh, Those are great, I think, specific points to keep in mind. I'm curious also, as you think about some of the more modern endpoint management tools, can you give us any examples of how you see them? Streamlining the workloads for your IT department staff, or otherwise beginning to really improve the overall security posture of uh, an agency like yours.
1: Sure, Wyatt. Yeah, as far as streamlining things, I mean, as long as we can get these tools properly deployed and architected in a way what you know they they work properly and can do their job. You know, it can take a lot of the loads off of people that. Yeah, if they're dispersed throughout the US and they're running around in a small area trying to manually patch computers or, you know, manually do anything with a computer, this can take a, a big burden off of them if we can all just just do it from one central area. And I know from what I've heard, some issues people have with that is, you know, they may not necessarily want to give up that duty because they feel like they're an IT specialist. That's what they do. And if they can no longer do that, it's kind of like having a scarcity mindset where there's, you know, not enough things things to do. But I kind of like to think of it as, you know, you need to have more of an abundance mindset if you can take that problem away from somebody. In my experience, there's always something else to do in IT, so it just frees up your time to focus on issues that have been pushed aside and forgotten about. And another uh, thing that we're seeing as far as making things a, a little bit easier and streamlining the process is just, you know, it's much easier to control things if the power is, is centralized and you have a, you know, one group of people that can, you know, either patch, scan for vulnerabilities, or if you need to produce some sort of uh, report in a timely fashion. You know, all that stuff is much easier if one person you know, has access to a console and can see the entire network rather than having to reach out to different sub-headquarter groups that are managing small amounts of computers, and you have to manually compile that data and then put it into a spreadsheet or some sort of report this way. You can see that almost instantaneously, and I think, I'm sure people are doing it now, but in the future you can have that actual live dashboard of information that's no longer just a daily PowerPoint that somebody's creating, but you can see it up to the second what is going on throughout all of your network and not having all these missing pieces. And, you know, the centralization automation points can make patching much easier, always a big issue, and just just managing assets in general because, you know, you'll see what comes on, what goes off the network, it makes it a lot easier to approve things or stop things from coming on. And, you know, I think that's one of the main ideas behind DHS's CDM program is to help all the federal agencies with that function. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Jamie, um, you've been in this space for quite some time. Can you explain
0: what's different about endpoint management solutions today from even a couple of years ago? And also, what benefits do they offer that agency IT staffs may be underestimating?
2: Well, I think the biggest thing that sticks out is the proliferation of devices that we have today, right? I mean, everybody's got a smartphone. Most of us have tablets and laptops. So I'm have multiple devices, and we're using all these devices to access all of that data, especially when it's corporate-owned data, you know, government-owned data. We want to be able to control that access but still allow people that freedom to do their jobs. But we need to be able to kind of get a handle on that. So I think in the recent years I've seen things like, you know, all the different mobile platforms out there from iOS and Android, um, even like the Surface Pros and Macs are turning more towards a mobile-style de- uh, proliferation, but um, you also have the IoT devices, things like Raspberry Pis and all the other small little devices that are monitoring different things on our network, and we want to be able to consolidate that into kind of a single pane of glass and get an idea of where everything is without trying to manage 10 different solutions for all the different things that we have out there. So those are the things that I see a lot, and then I think with Windows 10 and the introduction of that back in 2015, it changed a little bit because with Windows 7 and the Windows 8 right after that, we kind of held on to Windows 7 for quite a while, and there wasn't really any forcible need to go to Windows 10 or even to Windows 8 you know, right off the bat. But with Windows 10 and the newer versions of the Intel chipsets, they kind of require Windows 10. So people not only are being forced into that upgrade process and all that may entail, right, from application compatibility and hardware compatibility, they got to figure out how to get there and make sure that all, their, all their devices are going to work with that and they're being forced down that road. So there's new devices that are out there won't even support any of the older operating systems anymore. So I think those are some big considerations that people are trying to wrestle with today and how to get a handle on managing that that transition.
0: That's a great point. Sean, back to you. It certainly sounds like it makes sense to adopt these tools, but what would you say are some of the challenges that um, either your agency has run into trying to move along this journey or what do you think may be standing in the way of agencies in general to adopting these more modern endpoint uh, security solutions?
1: Well, yeah, I would say in, in general, just because I know I'm not the only one, but I don't think there's nothing necessarily stopping them from adapting them because in a lot of cases, you know, we don't really have an issue of getting the tools it's more managing those tools not you know having the right amount of people to work on those tools the right amount of time and also when we buy or are given a tool having the expert knowledge to actually architect the right solution to deploy that tool and make sure it's working up to the you know, what the manufacturer originally specified and envisioned. If you have something that, you know, requires a certain amount of bandwidth, a processing power, or a number of different servers to make sure it runs properly, you know, if, if only you only use half the specification, then... You know, you, you might wonder why it's not working properly. That'll give you a bad taste in your mouth and, you know, it'll be unfairly make the manufacturer look bad because, you know, you might say their tool isn't working properly when, you know, whether whether you know it or not, you haven't deployed it properly. And so I think that's really some big considerations that you have to take into account. You have IT specialists that are you know, working at near full capacity and these tools aren't just as simple as plug and play or click a button and it's all done for you. It takes a lot of expert knowledge and given time these specialists i'm sure would be able to learn how to use it but initially that's a big ask of people to ramp up their knowledge going from zero to a hundred within a few weeks so i think you really have to do a lot of planning before you buy and and deploy so that works and you're actually happy and also that you take advantage of all the different aspects that that tool offers and you're not just using maybe five percent of it it's kind of a waste of your money and time, and there could be features that could speed up a lot of different areas of your infrastructure.
0: Well, that's definitely a great points as well. Uh, finally, uh, Jamie, for those agencies that are still moving along this journey, uh, adopting more modern endpoint management tools, what – tips would you offer IT leaders to take fuller advantage? To Sean's point, they may not be using all the settings correctly, and there's other ways they may have the tools but not taking full advantage of them. What what advice would you offer them?
2: Well, I think the first thing that I look at is, first of all, understand your staff and their capabilities and what kind of time they have to be able to, to run these types of projects. Because you know, while there are a lot of different tools out there, some of them require a little bit more hand-holding than others, require a lot more expertise, a lot more in-depth knowledge to run. So not only take a look at what the capability of the tools are, but you know, making sure that your staff has the competency to start running these tools and be able to take off with them. A lot of times we focus a lot on the ease of use aspect of the tool. The tools that we have compete a lot with various tools out in the environment, and that's usually the biggest focus that we have with our tool is really just an ease of use and getting it implemented as quickly as possible. Um, We've gone into numerous customers that have had certain tools for years, and as we were talking about earlier with Sean, only implement 5 10% of what that tool can possibly do. And some of that's time, some of that's necessity, but some of that is really just ease of use, right? It it may be really hard to get some of those features stood up and working properly, and people just don't have the time to do that. So I think, you know, along with, you know, as Sean mentioned before, planning, understanding the requirements of what you're trying to set out and what you're trying to achieve with the tool – uh, making sure it's compatible with whatever systems you have, but also looking at the ease of use factor, making sure that it's a comprehensive enough tool to get as much functionality out of it as possible so you can get to that 80, 90, 100 percent utilization of all the features within the tool um, and making sure that the staff has that capacity to ramp up to that quickly, and we don't have to spend you know double the price of the software just to get services and engaged and installed properly.
0: Uh, Sean, do you have any additional suggestions for our audience on how to move the process along faster?
1: One thing that I, I thought of was just for something for manufacturers to consider that it, obviously it's on government to so write up the specific requirements and if they leave stuff out of the contract or out of the proposal, then you know it, it really is on them. but I think something that would help some of the manufacturers be more successful as far as you know having people be happy with their products is to help evaluate their IT staff to see if they really do have the knowledge to deploy this and you know initially set these things up or if they can see that it's going to be a, a brand new endeavor for whichever IT specialist has the role of implementing this. And I would suggest to the manufacturers to say it without it sounding like a sales job, but to strongly suggest that in addition to the tool, you have to tie the purchase with some sort of implementer, whether that's a contractor or or somebody else, but some experts come in, help identify the infrastructure, see what the bandwidth is, see the number of endpoints, see where they're all physically located, and make sure that the initial implementation is up to the manufacturer's specifications so that they're setting them up for success instead of just giving them the tool and and that's it. But like I said, that's not necessarily their problem. That's more of the government. We really need to identify that stuff beforehand, but it is something to consider and I think would make everybody feel more successful. I'm afraid that's all we have time for today.
0: Sean Cavanaugh and Jamie Sarah, thanks for joining us to talk about endpoint management solutions. And thanks to the folks at Quest Public Sector for underwriting today's episode. Look for more of our coverage of digital transformation in government on Fedscoop.com. This is Wyatt Cash. Thanks for tuning in.